0: Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey, listen, I'm so glad you guys are here. We still have people that are watching from home. And if you're watching from home, I'm so glad you have chose to join us, too. I do want to say that, uh, Shelley and her family. Uh, And uh, I just want to tell you them that we're still praying for you guys. We're so glad you guys can join us today. Ms. Joanne, I'm so glad hopefully you can join us today too. Uh, Other people that are are still uh, at home, um, I'm so thankful for you guys being here. Uh, Dan is not here today. He's on the beach. Uh, He better be on the beach. Dan, you better not be watching this. You better watch it later on tonight or something, okay? But we are thankful for Dan to be able to take a break. Uh, and thankful for Blake uh, for leading us today. I'm thankful for that. I think he did a pretty good job so far. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, huh? So, listen, um, I do want to uh, talk to you guys today. Uh, you guys are like, man, I've chosen to come, finally come back to church and he's going to talk about money. I am going to talk about money. I'm going to talk about stuff, is what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about our finances and all those kind of things. Listen, the title of the message is called Never Again. It's never again. I want you to know something about the Bible and about money. And you may not know this, but I want you to know this. The Bible and money, 16 of the 38 parables, 16 of the 38 parables deal with our finances and our money. In the Gospels, one, think about this. In the Gospels, one out of every 10 verses deals with money and possessions. In the Gospels, one out of every 10 Deal with money and possessions. The Bible, it offers 500, around 500 scriptures on prayer, okay? 500 scriptures on prayer. It actually offers less than 500 on faith, less than 500 on faith, and over 2,000 on money and possessions. Over 2,000 on money and possessions. What is God trying to say to us today? What's he trying to say to us? What is he trying to say to us through his word? I'll tell you what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, I want you to have faith. I want you to be committed. I want you to love other people. But he's saying this too. Money and possessions, especially your money and your possessions, are a huge deal to him. Money and possessions are a huge deal to God. Why? I'll tell you why. Because your money and your possessions affect every area of your life. Now, somebody, my dad used to say this. I used to tell my dad, I used to say, dad, money doesn't mean anything to me. And he said, son, I know I used to say the same thing right up until I ran out. And at that point, for some reason, money began to mean something to me when I ran out. Okay, it affects our lives. It does. It affects our well-being. It affects our emotions. It affects our, our spiritual well-being, our emotional well-being. You know what money affects a lot? It affects friendships. It affects friendships. We used to have friends in Nashville, and we would go out and hang out with them. And they always forgot their wallets. That's the truth. We would be, like, having a nice meal, and suddenly I realized, wait a minute, I'm covering all of this meal, okay? Okay. Uh, and I was making a whopping $6.75 an hour. Remember those days, guys? Yes. Newly married? Yes. Yeah, six seventy-five. I thought I was the stuff, too. Uh, but it, it affects friendships. Money can affect friendships. It can affect our families. And here's the big one. It can really, really affect your marriage. It can affect your marriage. I have seen marriages broken up over finances because with money comes trust. And oftentimes when you misuse money and you don't tell people, you see that there's a trust broken. There's trust broken. As a matter of fact, money is one of the top five reasons for divorce. It is. Money is one of the top five reasons for divorce. You see, a lot of times what people want to do is, is they don't want to put their money together. And so there's a separation, and and people say, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and that works for me. But here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is is that when you became one, you became one. You became one household. You became one in spirit. You became one family. You became one. You also became one with finances, too, one with finances. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you some free advice here from Uncle Barry. All right, free advice here. If you right now are married and you keep your finances separate, you're making a mistake. You are. You're making a mistake. Because the process of going through and budgeting your money and the process of struggling with your money and the process of flourishing with your money is something that God uses to help flourish your marriage and to pull you closer together. Think about this for a second. Especially if you like dated a high school sweetheart or you got married young when is it that you look back and think, you know what, I cherish those times. For us, you know when it was? When we were broke. When we were broke. That's when it was for us. I remember a Friday night hot date for us was when we would go, and I used to love Dr. Pepper back then. We would go and we would get a frozen pizza, a small thing of ice cream, and a large Dr. Pepper, and we would split it. And it would be like, we are living high on the hog. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember one Saturday morning when I got up, uh, I said, hey, I'm going to a yard sale. And Wendy said, why? We live in a two-bedroom apartment. I said, well, we've got a table, but we don't have chairs. And I think I'm going to go find some chairs. And I'll never forget it. I went right into this little neighborhood. And we were in Nashville. I went right in this little neighborhood, and I looked, and they, there they are. I turned the corner, and a light shone down from heaven. Oh, and there were chairs there. And I went and I partook of those chairs. And I bought those suckers. She wanted 50. I gave her 40, 10 a piece. And I brought those things back home. And I set them there. And we loved those chairs. They weren't the cheap chairs. They were heavy duty. Them suckers were heavy. As a matter of fact, I had to make two trips. I had to make two trips with those chairs. They were heavy duty chairs. Had a big old wide base on them. I like those wide bases. You know what I'm saying? I like this big old chair. You can sit there and eat dinner. I loved it. I remember those days. And I cherish those days. I really do. See, a lot of us have bought into the, to the, to the lie that what you, what you have is equal to your enjoyment and your value and your happiness. And that's not true. That's not true. As a matter of fact, the scriptures talk directly about this. I've already told you, one in every ten verses in the gospel has to do with money and possessions. So we're going to look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to end up at. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. It says this. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And here's the verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Here it is. You cannot, you cannot serve both God and money. There comes a time in your life where you have to decide never again. There comes a time, and this is not just about money, this is about all kinds of things in your life. I'll never again deal with this. I'll never again let this happen. And recently, recently, you've been through a time, and I've been through a time of uncertainty. We've all been through a time of uncertainty with this virus. We've been through a time where we didn't know what was exactly going to happen next. We didn't know what the economy was going to do. I looked at my 401k one time. And after I picked myself up off the floor, I decided I wouldn't look at it anymore. And I looked at it three months later, and it's gotten back pretty close. It's not quite there yet, but it's gotten back pretty close. But there was a certain time where we were all uncertain. We were all in our homes and we had no idea what was going to go on next. And for some of us, for some of us, it was a time of stress. And some of us, it was a time of, of great worry. My question to you is, is was that your never again moment? Was that your never again moment as it relates to finances? Was that your never again moment as it relates to stuff? Was that your never again moment as it relates to your possessions? Was it? I have no idea. You'll have to answer that for yourself. But I can tell you again, and I'll tell you this. You should be saying never again will I allow myself to get emotionally tied to my stuff. Never again will I allow myself to get emotionally tied to my stuff. Having been through a tornado, I can report this very clearly. Insurance is good and stuff can be replaced. Okay? I want you to hear that again. Insurance is good and stuff can be replaced. Never again will I get tied to my stuff. What we do a lot of times is, is we get tied emotionally to some of the things that we have sitting around our house. Some of the things that we value and treasure so much, we have these things that we treasure. And here's what happens. We treasure these things and then we treasure them in order to pass them along to the next generation. Now, let me say this to you. I don't want to be offensive to you at all, but I do want to tell you the 100% truth. My wife had these things from her grandmother. Her grandmother treasured some of these things. She treasured this tea set. She treasured these things. And as honest as I can be with you, and I hope, uh, I hope some of her family isn't listening, but those things are in a box in our attic right now. We got those things from her, and we put them in the attic, and we treasure them too. I treasure them up in the attic. Okay, that's where I treasure them at. We don't have them sitting out. We don't have those things. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have nice things from grandmama. I'm not saying that. Don't hear that. Okay, what I'm telling you is, is the value that you place on things when you think you're gonna pass them along to the next generation, a lot of times, not every time, don't come up after the service and say, yeah, but you had not got, you know, Aunt Gertha's lampshade. You don't have that. I do. Okay, good for you. But I'm just telling you a lot of times the value we place on things and we think other people are going to value, they don't value. They don't at all. They don't at all. They don't value those things. And we place this heavy value on something. And God says this. He says, listen, don't do this. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Don't store up these treasures here on earth. Don't get so weighted down with these possessions. Don't do that. Make sure you know that every possession that you have is God's. Make sure you know that you're seeing the bigger picture. This is interesting. A lot of us do this, and I've talked to a couple people recently who, who I've encouraged, they weren't necessarily doing this, but, they, but, but I could see some leanings. And I said, hey, let me, let me tell you something. A lot of us take a blessing that God has given us and we end up making it something that the enemy turns into a curse. Okay? That's what happens. A lot of us, a lot of us take a blessing that God has given to us. And we end up taking it and we end up turning into a curse. I've got some friends that are moving. Okay? Lynn and Suzanne are moving. Uh, the Bazels are going to move eventually. Uh, they're going to be moving. And you know what? Moving is my form of hell. Right? If I happen to end up in hell, all right, I'm going to tell you what it's going to be like. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to be sweating. Satan's going to say, listen, I want you to go out right now and look behind every CVS and, and, and place, and I want you to find some boxes. I'm going to go find those boxes. He's going to hand me some tape, and I'm going to pack up this house that he's assigned to me. You need to pack up the house, and you need to move to another house. As soon as I get over there, he's going to make me unpack everything and place everything up. And then he's going to say this. I want you to go out and look for some boxes. And it's going to be perpetual for eternity. That's my hell moving. That's what it is. And I have found that when moving happens, emotions run high. And emotions usually run high because one person wants to throw crap away and the other person wants to keep it. That's usually the emotion that runs, that runs high in moving. But I want to tell you this. I have literally done this. I have literally prayed. Some, some of you guys have called me and said, would you pray that we get this house or would you pray that our house sells? And I say, yes, I'll pray that your house sells. And I pray that your house sells and then your house sells and then we celebrate. And then you go from that moment all the way up until you get settled and you're stressed out for a month and a half or two months. You ask God to bless you and instead of in, in receiving the blessing, What you do is you make it stressful because you let your emotions get tied in to the stuff. And you get upset and you get emotional and all the way through. And in the end, here's what you do. And I know you do it because I do it too. You sit on your couch and you say, I'm never moving again. That's what you say. You take a blessing that God has given you and you make it something that's different. Here's what scripture says in 21. Uh, It says, wherever your treasure is there the desires of your heart will be also. There's the scriptures that says that God will give you the desires of your heart, but here's the key. You have to be obedient to what God wants to give you. He will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that, hey, I really want this new car. That's the desire of my heart. I think I want to ask God for it and he's gonna give it to me. It means this. God literally, when you are aligned with what the word says, when you're aligned with what God's vision is, when you're aligned with what God's plan is, when you're aligned with what God's purpose is, he will literally take and plant within you the desire in your heart that you need to have. And he will give you the desire of your heart. That's what it means. And it says this, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Can I tell you what I could have you do right now? I could have you take your cell phone out and log in to your mobile banking. And I could tell you in about five minutes what the desire of your heart is. I could. I could look at your mobile banking and I could see the desire of your heart. I can honestly say that you would see that Chick-fil-A is a desire of my heart. (laughs) It is. It is. I can tell you that DSW and Loft is a desire of my wife's heart. It is. It's a desire of her heart. It It really is. And you have Zaxby's is a desire of my son's heart. It is. He loves the axe I don't know about you. What about you? What's in the desire of your heart? We can look and see where your treasure is. What the scripture is saying is this. Whatever you place the most value on, that is where you're going to have. That's what you're going to have in your heart. That's what you're going to have down in there. My question to you is, is what are you placing value on? What are you placing value on? What is it that you, is it that, is it that thing that God blessed you with that you don't want anybody to touch? Is it that thing that God, Wendy and I have a rule. Here's our rule and I ask you to join us in, in being this way. Anything that we give is God's, and if anybody needs it, we'll let them use it. That's how it is. House, vehicles, no, you're not driving my Jeep today. I'm driving it, I'm driving it to Tennessee, so you can't drive it today. But, but seriously, we, we, that's how we do. Anything that we have is God's. And God will provide more things if, we don't, if, if something happens to that. We're not worried about it at all. We're not worried about it. Right now, as we stand here today, and I can honestly say this, and this is not because I'm super spiritual. It's just because I've been there and done that. I can honestly tell you right now that as long as our little wiener dog, as long as he got out of the house, okay, as long as he got out of the house safe, if a tornado literally touched down and only destroyed our home completely, I promise you this is the facts, we would say, well, all right. What do we go from here? Let's pick up some of the stuff. Let's clean it off, whatever we can have. Let's start the process of beginning anew. And then we would, the first thing we would say is, is why do these stupid tornadoes keep following us? That's the first thing we'd say. The next thing we would say is, let's pick it up. Let's go ahead and let's move forward. Never again. Is this your never again moment? Is this the moment you say, never again will I allow possessions to take hold of me. What about never again? This never again will I live without financial margin. Never again will I live without financial margin. A lot of us, you know what margin is. When I was in school, I was a horrible student. I used to drive my English teacher crazy because there's these there's these red there's a red line on this side and then a faded red line on this side. I never understood why it was faded, but it's faded. Maybe you can tell me. But it was it was kind of faded on this side and it was it was really bright red on this side, and you would write across, and you would stay inside the margins. Well, you see, I had more words to say than there was page to occupy, okay? I had more words I wanted to say, and so my margins would start doing this, and then it would go down the page, and then I would draw a little line to show the teacher where what I was trying to say. I would draw the little line, like, okay, this is my full thought. Then I would write again, and it would drive her crazy. She told me, she said, Barry, when I'm reading your stuff, I'm over like this, and I'm, uh, I'm just, it's, uh, it's crazy, I can't really read this, and then she would do this. Stay within the margins. That's what she would say. Stay within the margins. Well, I think that God has given us margins. I do. I think he has given you a plan and a purpose for your life. I think with that plan and purpose, you have then been gifted with certain gifts. And those gifts have allowed you to be blessed to have a job. And that job pays you. And that pay is how God has those margins in your life. But not everybody has those margins. They don't. They don't. What they do is, is they think, well, I'm going to be fine. I can do this. I'm going to be fine. I can do that. It's fine. It'll be okay. You know, and what they do is, is they grasp the temporary. They grasp the temporary and they take that temporary, and they, don't you guys just love Gabe? Is he not the best? That's my boy right there. He, you know what that is? He's literally saying amen. I love it. And Jenny, you can stay as long as you want, baby. We love that baby. He can, he can talk all he wants to. I love it. But uh, he literally, he says amen to me all the time when I hang out with him. So uh, we went to Peter the other day, and he was going, And I said, yeah, I know, right? But uh, uh, anyway, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something right now. We, we get outside the margins when we go past when we go past what it is that God has provided for us. That's what we do. We oftentimes do that. I want to tell you something. Think about this for a second. Think about back in January. You remember January? Man, January. It seemed like it was nine years ago, but there was January, y'all. It was January. Each year was like four years, but there was January. And I was watching NFC and AFC championship games on, on TV eating some chicken wings, hanging out in January. Remember that? I didn't have a care in the world. The economy was rolling. Football was being played. Life was good. Christmas had just gotten over with. We were all saying how we're going to have 2020 vision. Oh, yeah, we got a vision for 2020. That's what we had, right? remember that? Remember that thing? 2020 vision? And then all of a sudden, an unseen Disease throws everything for a loop. So here's my question to you. How did it hit you? How did it hit you? Were you prepared for it? What was your first thought whenever you started experiencing the, the, uh, the virus? Fear? Fear? What was your first thought whenever you started thinking about what it's going to mean for your job? For your livelihood. What was it? Was it fear? Was it stress? Was it worry? What was it? How you answer those questions will tell me how you live your life financially. How you answer those questions will tell me how you live your life financially. I want you to know something. When you're looking at buying something... If your question is how much is the payment, you are not looking and you are not living your life with margin. If you're going to buy something and your question is not how much is the debt instead of how much is the payment, you're not living your life with margin. You're not. Is this your never again moment? Is this your never again one when you say, you know what, never again am I going to get connected with my stuff? Never, uh, never again would I, I live without financial margin. Never again will I live without financial margin. The next thing is never again will I trust God instead of myself. Never again will I trust God instead of myself. Do you know what happens when we trust ourselves? We trust ourselves. And it's a dumpster fire. You know, know, when we trust ourselves, it's a dumpster fire. When we trust in ourselves, it's a dumpster fire. It is. Because we do the best we can do, and the best we can do falls short. I love how the author of Matthew put these things together. And how Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was put together. Because he says this, he says, do not store... Do not store up treasures in heaven. And then, right after that, he says, That's why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food for barns or heaven. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than them? And so he goes through the whole process saying, don't worry about those things. Don't worry. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. If you've never fully trusted God and lived by his means, if you've never done that and something like COVID hits you, then your initial response is going to be worry because you weren't prepared Because you haven't been disciplined, because you haven't been obedient to what his word says about your possessions and your stuff. And so your initial thing is worry. And so he says this, don't, don't worry because you've been obedient. Now, here's the cool thing about God. I'm assuming because you're here, you made it through. Woo! You made it through. Right? You made it through. So even though you weren't obedient fully, God was obedient fully to do what He said He was going to do. And here you sit, and here's the kicker, with another opportunity to say, never again. Never again. You see, if you'd have had an emergency fund, you would not have been as stressed out as other people. If you would have lived within margin and said, you know, I know we're, you know, it's going to be kind of tight, but we'll be okay. You would have been able to say, never. I mean, you'd have been able to say, I'm fine. It's all good. You would not have been as worried. I talked to a lot of you guys during during the COVID stuff, and it's still going on. Don't don't be fooled; it's still going on, but but not as bad as it was. And I talked to I talked to some of you guys, and it was refreshing to me because a lot of you guys say, "No, I'm not worried. We're fine." Because I want to see, hey, are you guys okay? Are you guys okay? And I called several people. You guys okay? You guys okay? And they were fine. I'm fine. We'll be fine. The question I have for you is is this the time when you're going to say never again? Never again. Now, you and I both know that I can't preach. I preach on money about once a year. And I usually do it in the summer. Because most of the people that come couldn't afford the vacation, and so they're here, and I'm trying to help you afford the vacation next year. I'm just kidding. That's not why I do it. Um, but seriously, I, I, I do it usually in the summer one time. And you and I both know that I can't I can't teach on this and not bring up this. Never again will I not practice the discipline of giving. Never again will I not practice the discipline of giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. The Bible says this, it says that we are to give a 10th off the top in the Old Testament. But the New Testament doesn't say a tenth, okay? It doesn't. It doesn't say a tenth. Now, that can be your guide. That's totally fine to be your guide. But the New Testament actually doesn't say a tenth. It says the New Testament goes even further than a tenth is what it says. And it says to give out of your abundance. We don't take up an offering here. We actually had someone two weeks ago say, hey, listen, I love the church. I really do. Can you tell me where the heck I can give? (laughs) And I said, oh, we need to start remembering that more. We need to start telling people more. Because honestly, we have people that come and we have boxes that are in the back. Seventy percent of our people give online and that's totally fine. But we have boxes in the back for giving. And people say, why don't you pass an offering? I've told you this before, but when we first started, I told the guy who was helping us plant some stuff. I told him he was an associational guy and I said, hey, listen, he said, well, how are you going to do offering? And I said, we're not going to have an offering. He said, what are you talking about? And I said, we're going to have boxes in the back. And he said, you've lost your mind. He said it at La Paria. I remember where we were, we were sitting at La Paria, I know that shocked y'all. I was sitting at La Paria, and he said, you've lost your mind. And I said, well, here's the thing, man, either the church is going to go or it's not. And I don't want anyone, and I refer to this scripture I just read, I said, I don't want anyone giving out of guilt or pressure. I don't. I don't. I want you to give with a cheerful heart. I do. I want you to know something. God doesn't love you anymore if you give. I may love you a little bit more, but I'm just kidding, I don't. But God, listen, God God doesn't love you any more if you give or not. He doesn't. He doesn't. Just because you give doesn't make you super, super Christian, super spiritual. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. Trust me, I've met a lot of people in a lot of churches that give a lot of money and they're about as spiritually deep as a cup of water. So it does not make that. What it does, though, is it gives you and develops in you an attitude of giving, and it disconnects you from that money. That's what it does. That's what it does. And so what I said to my dad, hey, money doesn't really mean anything to me. I can honestly say that now. And I have some, so I can say it, and it's legitimate. And I want you to be the same way. See, giving is a discipline. Can I, I know this may shock you guys. God doesn't need your money to make the church Go. I, I know, I know, you think he does, he doesn't. He doesn't need that. God wants you to give, and he wants you to develop the discipline of giving in order to develop you for your budget, for your heart, for your margin. I'm going to tell you something right now. I've challenged people with this, and every person I've challenged has come back and says, I can't explain it, I can't explain it, but you're right, you're right. Like the, like the video said earlier, test me in these things. Test me and I'll show you that I'll open up the storehouses. Test me in those things. It's about discipline. It is. Is this going to be your never again day? Is this going to be your never again moment? Is it? I don't know if it is or not. Every time I do a message on money, I always try to order some books by a guy named Dave Ramsey. A lot of you guys know Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. I have a free book for you if you want to get started on the right path. I do. I have a free book for you in my office. Just stop by my office. I'll give you the book, and I'll let you have it. You can go do it. You and your your spouse, you can do it by yourself, whatever. Just get in there and dig into it. And you know what? The next time something major happens, and by the way, something major is going to happen. It always does. The next time something major happens, you'll be prepared, and you'll have peace, and you won't worry, because this time was your never again time. This time was your never again time. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much, Lord. This was much more of a teaching than it was a preaching, God. And I'm so thankful that your word literally covers every area of our life. It covers every area of our life. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you, that you provide And that you direct and that you guide us to get outside of ourselves, to empty ourselves, and to focus on you. So God, as we do that, I ask that you would bless us. As we do that, I ask that you would mold us. As we do that, I ask that you would shape us. Let us be people that listen to your word and don't just read it, but actually do it. Lord, let this be some people right here, even right now today, their never again moment. Nope, never again. We're going home this afternoon. We're going to sit down, even though we hate it, and we're going to do a budget. We're going to take the book Pastor Barry offers, and we're going to write through it. And we're going to walk work through it, and we're going to let it lead us because it directly comes from your word. God, we want to be guided by your word and the principles to be guided by your word. And that is where freedom is found. And that's what we need more than anything, God. Let us not get connected with our possessions. Because, God, we know that if anything happens to them, you're just going to give us more. you love us much more than the birds of the air, God. And we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and let's sing a final worship song today. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, Please visit our website at realchurchcowita.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.